Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Chof Ches. We're about halfway down on Chav Zayin Amud Beis, 27b. Okay, wait, sorry. And today's shoe is Le'ilu Nishmas, Tzvi Ben Moshe. May his neshama have an aliyah. May his memory be a blessing. Um, it is also um, for a full shleim of Chaya Chayka Bas Boba Mechla. Um, and Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam. May they have Zalman Mordechai ben Mary. Miriam, may they have a complete and speedy recovery. Amen. So we were up to, it's about halfway down on Chomzaim on the base 27b. The line starts for Omar Rabbi Yochanan. If you start counting from the wide lines, it's three. About almost 50 lines into the wild lines. Um, so, yes, this is what Omer Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan taught. Everyone is obligated to stand before the Nasi, except for the mourner or a sick person. They're not able, they're not required to sign for this, um, stand for a Navi. It seems to be connected to the halacha that. Standing for the Nasi is out of respect. And, and from these states, similar to there's no obligation to stand for a Nasi in the bathhouse, there'd be no obligation to stand from availus or, or sickness, as it is not really a sign of covert. Um, interestingly, I saw the um, Rabbi Kiva Ega says that, Therefore, it would be the same thing on Tisha B'Av, where everyone's mourning. You don't have to stand up for the Rav. For Omer Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, To everyone else, once they've stood for the Novi, they're not allowed to sit down until you give them permission. So you say, Shavu, except for the Eivel and the Choyle, they can uh, sit down without permission or they can choose whether they want to sit or not. Now, why is that? Um, I'm just trying to remember what I wrote, what I said. Oh, yeah. The one reason behind this is uh, um, Shavu has the connotations also of remain, like stay. So to tell a mourner Shavu may Shavu sit down. You, in a way, you're kind of saying also like remain a mourner or remain sick. So that would be very inappropriate, and therefore you don't use that phrase. Okay, Omar Yehuda, Omar Omar Yehuda, Rav. A mourner in his first day of mourning is not allowed to eat his own food. And we know this from the fact that the Torah told Yecheskel. Now we're going back to remember we explained at the beginning of the Perek, and one of the primary sources we learn out the halachas of Avelus is Yecheskel was told his wife would die actually, uh, through prophecy, and that he basically mustn't mourn her. So everything that he's told not to do, we learn the opposite, that that's what regular mourners should do. So it says, You should not be eating other people's food. We'll discuss the rationale behind this. Let's just go a bit further. Rabbi um, and Yosef used to actually swap their suudos. It means basically when Chasso Shalom Rabbi had an event uh, that he was mourning, Rabbi Yosef would provide the meal. And the next time that if Rabbi Yosef had to mourn, Rabbi would provide the meal. Um, 
Yeah. So that's this halacha. Now, very interesting. What's the reason behind it? So the one reason brought is based on the fact that the ovel, we're worried about the ovel. He's in so much grief on the first day that he's not going to eat. And therefore, you make sure that people go and give him food and they'll make sure he eats and they'll care about him and that's very comforting and will hopefully help him. But that's the one reason. Um, the other reason given is that it's uh, there's a... What's it? There's a simcha, there's a shlemus in being able to provide for yourself, sort out your own food. And we don't want the ovel to have that extra level of simcha of sorting himself out, that independence. And therefore we make sure to provide food for him. An interesting nafkamina is an ovel on cholamoid. Should he be provided for food? Or can he provide his own food? If you say the reason is that... We want to make sure that other people provide food for him because they need to make sure. Sorry, that they need to make sure that he eats and that he that he's not too grieving to and to eat. Well, then, on Chalamoy, that would also apply. You have to check that he's all right. And if the reason is because no, we want. Uh, um, if you say that the reason is the other, the um, that we worried about his level of simcha. By providing for himself, well, then a cholamoid he would be allowed to. So that's just an interesting uh, difference whether you say it's basically for other people, for, for him because of simcha, or is it we want other people to check up on him and look after him and make sure he's okay. Um, yeah, very interesting. The Rosh brings from the Urushami that there's a curse brought on. Uh, And there's a there's a curse brought on a neighbor, on a fam, on the neighbors, the, the the people around a mourner who is not provided with his own meal. They have a responsibility to look after him, check he's doing all right, and make sure he has the surah the surah savara, this food provided by other people. Um, Rav Yudah said, "Maybe if there's a mace in the city, everyone is also to do malacha." Because you want them to take care of the ma- or attend to the mace's needs and bury him. When Rav Hamnuna went to Drumasa, he heard the, the sound of the shofar pronouncing that someone had died. And he saw these people carrying on with the work. You should go into, into uh, excommunication. Is there not someone who just died in the city? And we know that Allah is. Everyone has to stop work until the corpse is attended to. So, No, we have a society in the city. We have a Hebra Kadisha. So, If that's the case, then you are allowed to work. Again, the reason that you're not allowed to, um, that you have to stop someone working is so that you have someone to take care of the deceased. If you have people designated it, if you have the Hebrew Kiddush or some other organization that is dedicated to taking care of the mace, well then you don't have this concern. says in the name of Rav, If someone mourns more than is necessary, i.e. he's excessively bitter, excessively sad, obviously by a significant amount, then he's going to have another relative to cry over. 
There was a woman in Rafuna's neighborhood. She had seven sons and one of them died. She, she cried exceedingly over him. Doesn't mean she, she took her mourning too excessively, too long, too intense. Rafuna said she shouldn't do this. Warned she shouldn't do this. And she didn't listen to him. So Shalach Lai sent another message to her. Look, if you're not going to listen, if you listen to me, good. It will be good. But if you don't listen to me, you're going to have to prepare shrouds for another son. Mace and that, and a second son died, and it carried on. Kulu, and all the sons died. He actually told her, look, down the path you've taken of this excessive grief. Um, don't, uh, um, you might as well prepare your own shrouds and shortly afterwards she died. And he says, Altiv mace, ma You shouldn't cry for a mace and you shouldn't shake your head in, uh, in distress for the mace. So now again, what does this mean? Don't we say that you have to mourn them? You have to cry. He says, no, no, don't cry excessively and don't um, shake your head more than the amount. So how long is it? How much is normal? Three days for crying, intense mourning. Seven days for eulogy. And 30 days for that you shouldn't that you shouldn't launder your clothes or um, or or shave or have a haircut. Mikan ve'elech Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu. From then onwards, Hashem says, "Imator rachamim, boy yosem imen. Imatem rachamim yosem imen. What you think you're more merciful than me?" So excess. I mean, it's very hard to say to a mother who's lost. I find it very hard in my mind to say to a mother who's lost seven sons, "Don't mourn excessively. Don't uh, don't get carried away." But see, there is a there is a time and a place for mourning. There's an amount that uh, Hashem and the Chachamim calculated of what's reasonable. And obviously, if you do it again, to be sad, we're not saying you can't be sad. We're just saying to carry on with this intense level of mourning um, and display signs of mourning with to an excessive degree. That's inappropriate. Um, it's kind of implying. I mean, the, the language the Gemara uses. Hashem says, what, you think you care about the world more than me? You think you care about your creations more than me? That you're carrying on mourning and I've said the mourning time is over. Um, another aspect that they bring of why it's such a problem to mourn excessively is it is sad to lose someone and be out of touch with someone. But we believe in the neshamas, in the mortality of the soul and olam haba and ganeiden. So, the, 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 so it's not... When you have time to process it, it's not as depressing. If, chas v'shalom, you believe that there's no afterlife, no will to come, no tchitzim, okay, well then the end is the end. That's pretty uh, dark and uh, deserves, I guess, excessive mourning. But if you learn that, if you believe, then no, the person's gone on to Olam Haba, there's, uh, in the future there's tchias amesim, then it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lack of emunah a lack of belief in Hashem's uh, kindness and greatness to mourn excessively. Yeah. 
now we carry on just we mentioned the pasuk up above, so we're going to just bring some more from that pasuk. Says and cry, cry and cry for the one who leaves, for the one who's departed. So that's specifically referring to someone who's left without sons. When a, a person's children, to a degree, also bring immortality to their legacy, bring immortality to themselves. So when a person dies without children, that's especially uh, sad. And that's why Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi had the practice, he wouldn't go to any base of El, except if it was someone who died without sons, without children. And then, yeah. Then the apostle continues. It says, and you won't return and see the land of your birthplace again. So, so, so I get the one way is to fit that in with someone who doesn't have children, has no extension, is no longer in this world. Unlike someone who has children, to a degree, he carries on through them. It says, Rav Huna gives a different shot in what it says, he'll never return and see the land of his birth. Rav Huna Omar, Rav Huna said, This is referring to someone who does an affair and repeats it. Someone who repeats an Avera, very unlikely they're going to Yoshuv, do Tshuva, return. And he says, Rav Huna, time it is Rav Huna, according to his general principle, to Omar Rav Huna, Once a person's done an Avera and he repeats it, it's permitted. Moros, what? Hutrilo is You think it's permitted? What? You do an Avera twice, it changes from a Avera, it's, not, it's now permitted? He says, no, it appears permitted to him. It's like, uh, um, it's, uh, obviously it's not permitted, but once you've done it twice, it's so, or a few times, it becomes ingrained in you, and you have so many justifications, you get caught up in it, and you have so many justifications, it doesn't seem as bad because it's not so foreign to you. So that's the problem um, with doing it, with repeating an Avera. Um, interesting, yeah, I remember there's, it's a, in Yeshiva's, I remember what Kurtag actually told us. And in his yeshiva, they used to joke and say, uh, um, someone wanted to do something that was off. Let's say, oh, what are you relying on? The heter of Ravuna, the leniency of Ravuna. Once you've done it twice, then it's fine. But obviously, again, Ravuna is not permitting it. He's, uh, he's, he's explaining the nature of a person. A person for in his first three days of mourning, um, he should view it as if there's a sword lying between his two shoulders. I, there's a sword hanging on over his neck. From three to seven days, he should view it as if the sword, the angel of death, is standing right there in the corner of the room. And we come for from them onwards. They seem to say until Shloishim, Kiloi Veres Kenegdo Beshuk. It's as if you see the Malachamoves in the Shuk. I, it seems there's a, once the Malachamoves has, I guess, infiltrated a family, that group is more, is at danger. The Malachamoves is around. And that family is uh, under scrutiny. So you should have that terror. I don't know if you're saying maybe that's the natural, if you're saying that's how, what a person should take on himself and do tshuva and improve his deeds, or maybe it's just giving us almost a psychological insight that being close to someone who dies does naturally increase your fear. And this is maybe a way of the processing that a person who's mourning is undergoing.
We then mentioned in the mission, remember we're discussing primarily on Cholamoid, that you don't put a mace in the middle of the street and eulogize him, because even if it's a Tamar Chochom who you do eulogize on Cholamoid, if it's a mace, um, if it's a regular, you don't do it, leave him in the street and bring people to eulogize him, because then other people are going to think that you do eulogize people on Cholamoid. We said, however, a woman, you never leave in the street out of covered for her. Now, Omar Nahadai, Lo Shonu, Elachaya. Nahadai taught this is specifically a woman who's recently given birth because then she has a lot of blood coming from her and it will be degrading for the corpse to be left there and get all dirty. But other women you can leave in the Rukhov. Even other women you shouldn't leave in the street. Not sure why exactly, but it's, it's disrespectful for them to be left in public. The mace of a woman. As it says, Miriam Miriam died there and she was buried there. We see the Torah puts the Misa and the Kfura right next to each other to emphasize this point. You don't leave a woman out. You bury her as soon as possible. Unlike men, you would um, leave out for a bit for eulogies, etc. Miriam also died with Neshika. We mentioned that there were in Bambasra, but there's a special death of Tzadikim. And that was called Neshika. It's basically Hashem's kiss. Almost, I think with certain people we say it's not even through the Malach HaMoves, and through some people, uh, lower people, other than the six great people, the three Avos, Moshe, Miriam, and Aaron, etc. Other people, um, there is Neshika, but that means a painless death. Here we seem to be emphasizing a death through Hashem. Um, it's referred to as Neshika. It says, Aisya, how do we know that Miriam died with Neshika like her brothers? Aisya, Shom, Shomim, Moshe. Learn it as Exaira Shava from Moshe. Again, as we just saw, it says, Vayom Hashom, Vatom Hashom Miriam. And by Moshe, it says, Vatom Hashom Moshe. And Mibnei Malonem Aralpi Hashem. Oh, so then why doesn't use the phrase, Dad Alpi Hashem, by the mouth of Hashem, which that's how we know Moshe had Neshika and Aaron had Neshika, etc.? He says, no, because it would be a little bit degrading to speak in such a way about the Shekhinah. We always, when we speak about Hashem, we speak as, as a Him, very often. So to speak of Him, Hashem, kissing Miriam, sounds a little bit inappropriate, so therefore we don't mention it. But obviously she did die in that special death. Why is the miss of Miriam Next to the parsha of the Paraduma, just as the Paraduma brings atonement, so too the Misa of the Tzadikim brings atonement. Now, the obvious question is wait, what's the Paraduma for? Remember, you burn it and you use it as ashes, etc., in purifying people, not for atonement. So, what does it mean that the paradum is there for atonement? So, Tosos give one answer. They say, Perush al Masah Egel. It's atonement for the Masah Egel because, and so it's not a specific person's atonement. The mitzvah of paraduma is an atonement, is part of an atonement for the Masah Egel. As, uh, and he brings a parable from the Midrash that if a child spills something, there's someone walking through the palace and it spills something, the child makes a mess, you call its mother to come clean up the mess. So, so to hear, the eagle messed up, so you call the mother, the paraduma, to come and clean up the mess. That would be the parable, and that's what Mechaperes. Another answer is um, the fact that it's called a chattas. The paraduma does have aspects of a sin offering, therefore that, that aspect of it 
does affect atonement, or maybe you're saying it's lumped together in the category of, I wasn't 100% sure, it's lumped together in the category of chata'os, and therefore it is, in a way, a, a, a chata's, a sin offering, and it brings atonement. Um, very similar Pshai says why is the connection why is the death of Aaron connected to the Big Day Kahuna says my Big Day Kahuna why does the Big Day Kahuna just as the Big Day Kahuna affect atonement so to the death of Tzadikim brings atonement so we've brought two droshas the first one is Rebbe Ami the connection between Kapara and Mrs. Miriam and the second one is um Mrs. Aaron and the Big Day Kuna, why are they next to each other or together to teach that the Mrs. Sadiqim? So I guess we can ask, what's wrong with the, the, the drosha from Miriam that we need the second drosha? And with that, we can understand Rashi's, uh, Rashi Kisvayat gives an answer, gives one explanation. He emphasizes, he says, it's quite, why do we learn it from Aaron? Because it's quite jarring. Why is um, why was Aaron commanded to wear his big day kahuna when he was going to die? He should have been wearing his normally his normal clothes. Why's the emphasis he was wearing his big day kahuna when he was going to die? So it must be to emphasize this point that death and big day kahuna have this correlation of kapora. Um, another shat given to maybe answer that question is that um, the big day kahuna it's it's more jarring because when was the mitzvah of big day kahuna? Um, sorry, wait, I'm just not... Yeah, why is the death of Aaron listed in the Chumash next to the Big Day Kahuna when the Big Day Kahuna were made or spoken about right at the beginning of their stay in the desert? Remember, shortly after receiving the Torah, shortly after Yom Kippur is when they started to get the Mishkan ready. And the death of Aaron happened at the end. And now, an interesting shot I saw that the, um, the Rach brings. He says... Um, when, it, when it, we said that we see from Miriam, why does the Torah connect the Poraduma to Miriam to tell us that just as the Poraduma brings atonement, so to the death of Tzadikim bring atonement? He says, the Rach phrases it, So to the death of pious woman brings atonement. So I saw that. Um, so that's what he's saying. He's saying the first one is to teach that even righteous, that righteous woman bring atonement. And the second drosha would be teaching us that tzaddikim, righteous men, bring atonement. And maybe that's why you might have thought one and not the other. And that's why we need both. Okay. Now we're going to go into... Um, yeah. Now we're going to go into certain deaths. If a person dies very suddenly... Again, we'll see in a certain age. Or at a certain age, then it's what's called kores. Or Mrs. Bidei Shomayim. We've, we've learned about it a few times. For certain affairs, the punishment is kores. Kores has something to do with childlessness and a certain and, and, and early death. It's again, it's not, uh, it's not, a, it's, it's not carried out by Basin. It's carried out by heaven, by Hashem. But that's what carries. So we're going to learn ways to identify it. Obviously, we're not judging anyone. There are multiple reasons why a person might die when they're young or at a certain age or in a certain way. But part of the 
signals of why they died in a certain way will be as follows. He says, If someone dies suddenly, I know what, they just die. Zuhi misa chatufa, that's what's called a misa chatufa. Cholo yom echod, if he's sick for one day, umais, and then he dies. Zuhi misa duchufa, that's what's called duchufa. Rabbi Hananya ben Gamil Omer, no, zuhi misa magaifa, that's what's called a plague. Shenemar, as it says, again, this is by Yechezkel, it says, Ben odom, ineni lokech mimcho es machman einecho b'magaifa. I'm going to take the beloved of your eyes in a plague. I Hashem told Yechezkel, your wife's going to die. To Zuxiv, and then it's written, I was t- telling this to the people in the morning, and that night, my wife died. So he says, um, So that, um, so this, so one day is my gaifa, two days is what's called the Shloisha, if someone dies after three days, ga'ara, that's what's called being shouted at, uh, rebuke. Arba, nazifa, Arba is nazifa, he's being scorned by Hashem. Chamisha zuhi misas koladam, but if he has five days, almost of warning, that is the regular death. Aye, kores, one of the aspects of kores, if someone dies very suddenly, they seem to be fine, and then they just die. That, and that's whether it's one day, two days, three days, or four days. As we saw, it seems that they're different aspects. I don't know what those words are implying, but there's, uh, there's chatufa, techufa, techuya, magaifa, etc. I'm not sure exactly what they, those different types, but they're all considered sudden deaths, and there's an aspect of kores, or they, a death for kores. Whereas someone who has five days, I guess they get a bit sick or something like that, and then for five days of warning, that would be. Um, another type of mitzvah. Omer Bichanin or Makro Bichanin says from the following posuk. Sorry, Makro. Where do we see this in the posuk? So it says that a person that a normal death is a person who's sick for five days. It says it says they will bring your days close to death. It says Hain Chad. Hain is referring to one day. Korvu, bring them close, I two days close, Yomecho, and Yomecho, Trey. So to when it says your days, Hochamish, is also two Hochamish, so that's five. Hain chad, Shekain, Beloshan, Yovani, Korin, Echod, Hain. Hain is one, as we, where do we see that the word Hain is one? As you find in Greek, Hain is one. Mace, so that is the first part of this discussion. And we'll clarify it soon. Second part of the discussion is, of Kores, if someone dies at 50 years old, that is a death, that's the age that someone would die from Kores. If someone dies at 52 days old, that's the death of Shmuel Aramasi. Very interesting, Shmuel didn't really deserve to die, he was too young. And it's in the age of Kores, we're just excluding it to show that, um, yeah, what happened, remember Shmuel, um, he said to Hashem, he said, you can't kill Shaul. That's my life's work. I can't kill Shaul in my lifetime. So Hashem said, but I can't let Shaul continue. It's now time for David to reign. So he, so the, he had to, so Shaul basically set himself up, but Hashem had to um, let Shaul die, when, again, when he's young and not deserving at 52, um, Shmuel die, and then Shaul could die, and then David could become king. But so generally, someone dying in 52, you would suspect them at 50, but 52, he sees the age that Shmuel died. Come back to that. Shishim zuhi misosa bidei shomayim. And 60 is misa bidei shomayim. Some learn it as, there's another type of punishment. There's kores, which is more severe. 
de- a certain type of death from heaven. And there's misabidei shomayim. We find like someone who eats tru- a non-coin who eats trum, etc. There's another type of death who eats tevil is misabidei shomayim. So at the age of sixty, that's misabidei shomayim. Oh my mazutra, my koro. Where do we see that in the pasuk? To sleep, tava bekelach elei kaver. Um, you will go to the grave at a mature age. Bekelach begamatria shisim havu. Kelach mature is that is a gamatria of sixty. Shivim saver shmoyin gvura. Someone who lives to seventy is saver old age full a full age and shmoyinim is eighty. Dilsiv as it's written into Hilim. Yemei shosob bohem shivim shana veim gvurois shmoyinim shana. A person's years are seventy, and if he's powerful, if there's power, then eighty years. Now, Omar Rabba, so, so Omar Rabba, so Rabba clarified me. Chamishavad Shishim Shana Zumis is Koretz. From 50 to 60 year old is Koretz. Ahadalot Choshev Lehu. Also, why did we only mention someone who dies at 50 and not mention the whole, those 10 years if someone dies between 50 and 60? Mishum Kvoida Shel Shmuel Haramasi. Out of respect for Shmuel Haramasi. So again, so, so now we can go back and analyze it. There's two types of Koretz. Someone who dies old um, suddenly um, it seems yeah, it seems from the one commentary someone who dies suddenly but over a certain age over like 50 or so let's say over 60 that would be um, sorry one second um, yeah um, so someone over 60 who dies suddenly, that would be considered Koresh. As we saw, there's a Dechufa, Dechuya, etc. All those Chatufa, uh, all those sudden deaths, that would be Koresh. Or someone who dies between 50 and 60, that would also be Koresh. Could also be Koresh. Remember, as we saw, Shmuel died when he was 52. Doesn't mean he had Koresh. He, he was actually a huge Sadiq. So, but it could, that would signify Koresh. And the Yavet brings anyone who dies younger than that, it's a different reason. It's specifically in those times. found that a little bit difficult, but that's how the Yahweh's learns. Specifically between 50 and 60 would be Kores. Okay, Rav Yosef, Ki Haveh Barshisin Avdu Lu Yom Etavet Rabbonon Oman Afik Lumi Kores. When Rav Yosef reached 60 years old, he made a Yom Tov. He had a special meal, a celebration. He says, I'm now safe from Kores. I'm clearly not dying because of Kores. Omer Lei Abayan Hidun Afik Lei Mar Mi Kores to Shani Mi Kores to Yumi Mun Afik Mar. says, granted, you've escaped the punishment of Kores by age. Because remember, we said 50 to 60. Isn't there still the concern that you'll die of Kores? As we said, someone who dies suddenly can still be Kores. So Amalei, not Kuruk says, I'll take what I can get. Says, I'm safe from one type of Kore's death. I'll take that and I'll have a, a yomt of meal and I'm not going to. Um, and, and okay, so it might still be Kore's, but I'm saved from at least half of the chance of that. Says Ravuna, no, Nachay Pitom, Ravuna died suddenly. Haviko died Rabbonan. The rabbis were a little bit concerned that their Rebbe, the great Ravuna, have Kore's. So Tana Lahu Zugamidav. A pair of scholars from Midav brought, taught them the Brysa. This that we said, if someone dies suddenly, it's a sign of Kores. That's only if they're under 60 or under 70. But if they've reached, or yeah, if they've reached 80, Gavuros, then it's actually Nashika, a sudden death. So it's specifically a youngster, a younger person who dies suddenly, someone under 80, that would be a sign of Kores, but not someone. He says, Omar Rava Chai ben 
there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot to go into when we discuss mazel, but let's see. So Rava said that a person, their length of days, their children, how many children they have, and mazoni, their food, their financial situation doesn't depend on merit, it depends on mazel. We found Rabbah and Rav Chizda were both great Sadiqim. And we see this from the fact that when the one would dove and rain would come and when the other one would dove and rain would come. They both had this, we see that they were both very close to Hashem, that they, they could overturn bad decrees through their davening. Rav Chizda lived 92 years and Rabba lived 40. Bei Rav Chizda, she's in Hilula. Bei Rabba, she's in Tichli. Rav Chizda had 70 celebrations. His children got married, his grandchildren got married, his house was full of simchas. And Rava had 60 tragedies. Ravchizda's dogs got fed food with fine flour and they didn't even look at it. They only wanted, they, were, they, they didn't need the food. And Rabba, they, even the people only ate barley bread and they were still looking, still hungry. So we see, so, yeah, so just to start this discussion, firstly, muzzle we generally say is the set by the constellations it's a set almost a set nature in the world and we seem to be saying that those things can't change obviously it doesn't depend on piety it's the fixed in almost the nature of the world maybe a spiritual nature of the world and 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 you can't change that what's a little bit difficult is don't we sometimes say that it's a machlokas can a jew not change his muzzle so maybe this is an opinion that the jew can't make his muzzle but even according to the one who says he can change his muzzle um What's very difficult with that line of thinking is the whole, in many times in the Chumash it says if you listen to Hashem's commandments, you follow the Torah and mitzvahs and to mitzvahs, then you'll get long life, children, food, etc. So it does seem to depend on a person's actions. So there's always this, you have to wait, wait, there's muzzle and a person's actions. Let's read a bit more and we'll then extend the discussion a little bit more. V'omar hani tlasmili, boy Rava said, I dove in for the following three things from heaven. Three, two he granted to me and one he didn't. It says, I daven for the wisdom of Rav Huna and the wealth of Rav Chizda and I was given both of them. And when I daven for the humility of Rabba Bar Rav Huna, that wasn't granted to me. Now let's just, before we get back into our initial discussion, just an interesting question on this is, what, you can daven for good midos? Don't good midos, yirashamayim, don't we say, chutzmi anything is in the hands of heaven except fear of heaven? I, good midos, take hard work, you can't daven for them. How, how does davening for them help? So it seems that, no, you can actually, um, uh, Oh, maybe the one, the answer could be it's davening for Hashem's assistance in acquiring those midah. Obviously, we try ourselves, but you have to daven to Hashem. But back to um, back to the discussion of mazel. We see even these things that seem set by mazel, wealth and um, things. It seems there is an aspect that you can daven for them. So mazel, as hard as we want to think, as hard as mazel seems. 
as set in stone, it's clearly not in, as set in stone as we initially thought. So listen to Tosfos. I think Tosfos might be onto something. It says, He says, But don't we say at the end of Masecha Shabbos, a mazel Yisrael. There's no mazel to Yisrael. I, B'nai Yisrael, are not affected by mazel. It says, or some um, no, sometimes you can change your muzzle through great merit. Kihanu dahasam, like all the cases mentioned over there. And sometimes the muzzle is not changed. And he gives another example in the Gomorrah. Gabe Rebeleza ben Padas. Remember, Rebeleza ben Padas lived in huge poverty. And he said to, he's having a conversation with Hashem. And he said, Hashem, can't you just change it? Can't I just have a bit of wealth? Why, why do I have to live like this in such abject poverty? And what did Hashem tell him? Look, what, you want me to set the whole, you want me to reset the whole world and then maybe it will turn out that you will have the muzzle of a wealthy person. We see almost the muzzle is ironclad. So Tosas is not committing to a pshat. He's saying sometimes, sometimes. But I think that's the answer. When we look and we try to understand the world and how things are going on, it's very, very hard for us to see the, the bigger picture. Sometimes things see, are just based on muzzle. Again, it's one of the descriptions of how do we say someone can live younger or older or whatever, is that each person, when they're born, are given a lotted number of years. One person will be given 40, one person will be given 80, one person will be given 70. Each person is different and given. And okay, and then depending on their deeds, they might die younger, might extend their years a bit. Might be, but again, it's, there, there is that possibility, but they are given an allotted number of years. And maybe even the, all their good deeds is not going to change that. And again, I think what he's adding on is we can't really judge these situations. You can't get too judgmental and you can't get too bitter or, I guess, victorious, feeling a, feeling a sense of victory when you have a certain milestones. Because at the end of the day, on one hand, they, there's muzzle. On the other hand, there's good deeds and tefillah. And how they interact and when the one is cast in stone and when it's flexible and how much would you have to daven and work to make, let's say, the muzzle flexible? That we can't tell. So, in other words, I think Tosas is saying, um, yeah, you can't judge the situation. We, we as humans who can't see the bigger picture, can't judge the situation. Okay. Rav Sa'irim. Ahmed Rava. Have a Yosef. Come to Rava. Rav Sa'irim, the brother of Rava, was sitting before Rava. And Chazia Dehu Komenadam, he saw Rava starting to die. So Rava told him, please tell the angel of death not to cause me tsar. I know I'm going to die, but tell him not to harm, do it in a painful way. So But aren't you friends? So I said, no, Rava, we know that you have conversations with the Malach Amoves. You're friends, you speak to him. So No, now my mazel has been given over to the, to the Malach Amoves. He's not going to listen to me. I up until now we could be friends because he had no right to harm me. Therefore, we were on equal footing. But now that Hashem's given over my muzzle, now that it's my time of death, I don't have any. I have no. I have nothing to offer. I have no. Uh, um, I have no. Uh, account, no. No way to persuade him. He's not going to listen to me. So I'm a But then I want you to. Soirin, uh, his brother said, but I want you to appear to me after you die. And explain and just tell me whether it works. So his Chazilei appeared to him. Amalei havela matzar drava de jisafa. Amalei ki rivde de kusil de No, it was not at all painful. It was like the prick of the blood letter's needle. It was nothing. 
says Rava have a Yosef Kamid Ram Nachman, a very similar story. Rava have a Yosef Kamid Ram Nachman to come and then Rava was sitting before Ram Nachman and he noticed him starting to die. And Omalei, Leimelei Mar Deloyet Sarum, please tell the Malachamovitz, Rava, please daven for me. Don't let tell the Malachamovitz. I guess don't daven to the Malachamovitz. Ask the Malachamovitz not to cause me pain. Omalei Mar Lavodam Choshevu. But aren't you a Choshev? Shomayim takes you seriously. They're not going to let him just cause you pain. It says, man safin, man Who would be considered important, uh, great or awesome or exalted um, before the Malach HaMoves? I death, death comes to everyone. You can be the wealthiest person. You can be the kindest person. You can be the most powerful person. You can be the president of the greatest country. The emperor of the world. Death comes to everyone. No one's choshuv before the Malach HaMoves. So how can I daven to him based on my chashivas before Shemayim? He says, He says, okay, but I want you to appear to me. Um, you know, how can I ask the um, you know, I want you to appear to me after you died. So he Did you suffer when you died? He says, No, it was like drawing a hair out of milk. There's nothing. Painless. Imagine like you see a, a hair in a cup of milk and you have to pull it out. There's no resistance. There's nothing. It's just painless. So the Omerli Hakadosh Baruch Hu Alma can't have his loba in the nafish bittisis. His, however, it was terrifying. The idea of death or the idea of dying is terrifying. And therefore, I don't want to do it again. So he says, even if Hashem said I can come back and go on, even though I know it's painless, it's terrifying, and I don't want to go through that again. So yeah, now we're going to bring a few stories. And you know, maybe let's leave these stories for tomorrow. We have a short adaf for tomorrow. Um, but it's stories of different Amorayim and the encounters and death with the Malachamoves. Okay, we'll leave it there.